Hey everybody, welcome to Game Off number 20. This week we got some interesting news that we'll be kicking it off with. We also got our fireside chat and a really good showcase this week featuring Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh god. And <laughs> need, that was an accident. And Need for Speed Heat. <laughs> uh, I'm your co-host, Brent, a.k.a. Arcadia, along with... Andrew, a.k.a. Solitalker. Alright, let's kick it off with some news. Big news this week. Uh, a new Half-Life game got announced called... Alex, Alex, Salix, something, something. Half-Life A- VR stories, Redux, Birth by Sleep, Alex, something like that. <laughs> F. F. <laughs> but, half, but like half course. But like that subscript F, the curly F, but subscript <laughs> and lower, so you can't even like copy and paste it into chat links. Half the title is just Unicode characters. Doesn't even work. <laughs> what? So you're you're the Half Life expert and or fan on yeah. the podcast. Favorite favorite game series really shaped my, my gaming history here. <laughs> uh, can you can you tell us a bit about Half-Life Alex? So Half-Life Alex seems to be from everything that I've seen, which is not much, but I've I've done a bit of research and dabbling. I watched that video that was going around. Uh, it seems to be a prequel to Half-Life 2, focusing on the story of Alex Vance, who is related to the plot of Half-Life. And you're going to be going through in a completely VR world with her doing stuff near or at the Combine with guns and other things you can pick up with your hands. You'll be interacting with stuff on shelves, through windows, uh, mounted on walls and other surfaces. And you'll be generally furthering the cause of the good guys. And, And why is this announcement relevant at all, Andy? Well... Half-Life as a series has been dead for a really long time. And people have had this kind of meme going forward for a while that Half-Life 3 or Half-Life 2 Episode 3, because Half-Life 2 was supposed to be an episodic game that Valve just got bored of or ran out of money or (laughs) lost the rights. You know, who knows? Who knows why they stopped, but they stopped. And people continued to believe that this series was important and relevant and exciting and definitely needed to be brought back. (laughs) And Valve has a penchant for putting all of their eggs into weird hardware baskets. Whether it's the Steam controller, which is definitely still going strong and everyone loved. Yeah, for $5 now, I hear. Did you see that they oversold them? They sold more than they had and had to refund orders. Oh, nice job. And there were some reports, and I don't know... There were reports of, I'm not going to say that these are 100% true or this wasn't one isolated incident, of people who had pre-ordered with credit card getting their pre-order refunded in Steam wallet credits. Oh, nice. Nice Which is at minimum shitty and possibly illegal depending on what country you live in. Yeah, I hope that's not true. I really do. And I I saw one or two isolated uh, reports of it, so it may have just been the person forgot they used Steam credits to pay for it. You know, they had them saved up in Steam and... Whatever. I'm not going to say yeah. that that's what they've been doing because it, it was not widespread. But yeah. you know, they had that. They had the uh, the Steam Box, whatever the hell those things were called. Those sold yeah, really yeah. well. Everyone loved those. Steam Link. Everyone really loved that as well. So yeah. it, in their effort to put more money behind hardware that isn't quite ready for prime time yet, they're building this kind of flagship game that looks. I mean, if you've seen the video, it looks pretty cool. Looks like a pretty cool VR yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, and they're. They had, they've got one moment to release a new Half-Life game. Like, they can only do that once. 
and and break this fast of Half Life games that we've had, and, yeah. and they're they're doing it now with the hopes that the Valve Index everything is going to go go through, and that this is going to propel them, and propel VR as a relevant home thing, and I think that's really dumb, because <laughs> I don't think a lot of people have the space or money or interest to jump into VR at the price point of Valve Index, which is not cheap. Yeah, that's th this. All this news too comes like hot on the heels of Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, literally saying, "No one's asking for VR. We're not. It's not a concern. It's not what we're focusing our next gen consoles on." Meanwhile, Steam's putting all of their eggs in this basket and saying, "We are 100% making the killer app for VR or bust." And I think that if it works, because their their whole new Steam um, Source Engine, the next version of the Source Engine, is going to supposedly have you know be as good for VR development as the Source Engine was for mod development for Half Life Two, and that clearly spawned a whole generation of mod developers and game developers yeah, who got yeah. their feet wet on it. They 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 clearly get, they deserve all the acclaim and historical significance for that. Half Life Two was definitely significant for that. Yeah, and, I mean the argument can be made too that Valve or Steam is only relevant because of the Source Engine. Otherwise, it would have only been like four games. Right. So like, th there's clearly a, a, a strategy there, but I don't. For my money, I feel like what they need is Wii Sports. They need that kind of game to sell VR, not. Hyper introductory. Right. It's something that my dad doesn't give a shit about Half-Life Alex. He's not going <laughs> to see that. But like Wii Sports, you see it and you immediately know what it is. You understand what's going on. You understand how all the interactions work. And you can imagine yourself playing it and having fun. Yeah. Like you need to watch a five second gif of Wii Tennis to 100% understand the conceit and operation of that, that game. Right. And know that it would be fun to do. Half-Life Alex. Like the can just the the video they showed, it's it's hard to tell because they don't really show locomotion, so you don't know what kind of mm -hmm. movement you're dealing with. You don't know what kind of you know. People still have issues with VR, um, giving them like motion sickness or migraines. Yeah, so, that like, happened to me really bad a couple weeks ago doing Trover. So this is just, I just don't think it's there yet, and unlike the Wii, which cost what two hundred and something dollars at the time. That Wii Sports yeah. was exploding? When it first launched, I think it was $100 not long after, and that's sort of when it went went nuts. Like, and that, that's the whole barrier to entry, because everyone has a TV, right? So right. The, you're buying 100 or two, how much ever it was, $200, and it comes with Wii Sports, and that's most of what anyone wanted anyway. Yeah, there was some number, and I'm not going to even pretend to remember it, um, that was basically the number of Wii consoles that were purchased and no additional games were ever purchased for them. Yeah, People bought it's, them. it's a staggering amount, like 75%. That or the only, and I think if it was even higher if you included the only other game was the one that came with a free Wii mode. Yeah. The, yeah. the Wii Play Pack or whatever it was. Yeah, Wii Play Plus or whatever. Y yeah, so like that clearly was a system seller. And I don't see... Even if it's an amazing game, even if it is everything that people who have been waiting for a new Half-Life game for the last X number of years have want, which it won't be, it's impossible, it can't be that, <laughs> but even if it is, even if it hits all those highs, it still means that anyone who has 
uh, you know, physical or or sensory disabilities that prevent them from playing VR can't play it. Anyone who can't afford this headset can't play it. Yeah, or a high-end gaming rig. Yeah, or a high-end gaming rig can't like it's, it, and it also requires that you still give a shit about Half Life. Because if you don't give a shit about Half Life, it's just a fir- it's just a really good VR game. And like, I don't know how many people under the age of 28, 27 give a shit about Half Life. Really? I mean, even I felt like I was too old for Half Life. Or yeah, I, I always felt like I aged out. It like I just missed it. So I, I don't know who you this didn't really miss much, for. mate. Yeah. Oh. God. oh. <laughs> All right. I'll take your word for it. But, so yeah, it's it's just I don't see it as a. It, it's not it's not Wii Sports. It's not even God of War or Spider Man for the PS4. And that's yeah. that's what, or you know, or they needed to do they needed to do whatever the VR equivalent of Halo was. Right, like, and like again, not to beat a dead horse, but even if this is the VR killer app, there's still so many barriers to entry, like. Most people I know don't even own computer monitors anymore. Like, how much would it cost you to get a gaming rig up and ready just to run the game and then the VR headset? Yeah. Along with all of the accessories. Because this is, this is a, a tablet and laptop generation. Like, when people find out that I have a desktop that and they're not PC gamers, they're like, what? What? Those yeah, old th- Dells from the mid-2000s? Yeah, I, no one I know owns that, is, that isn't buying it for gaming or, like is in the business of 3D modeling or video editing, yeah. owns desktops anymore. Yeah, so your, your target audience isn't my grandmother who bought a Wii. It's serious gamers, serious PC gamers. So, the no. kill, it can be the killer app and still be a colossal failure, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would it, love for VR to take off and turn into something that... You know, in the same way that, like, I was very skeptical of the iPad, but clearly I was wrong to be skeptical of it. It did very well, and it created yeah. an explosion in low-cost tablets, which is yep. amazing. And I would love for for Half-Life Alex to do that for VR, and five years after the fact, I can feel silly and also feel really good about my cheap Asus-branded head, you know, VR headset. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. that would be great. I just, I don't, I don't see it. But you've got so, interesting side news on about that. I was going to say, too, before we move on, like, the, the PlayStation VR is also, like, far and away the best-selling VR set, just because the barrier entry is considerably lower. Do you think that they'll release it on that, or it's just going to be a total, like, total, like, attempt at a killer app for the Index? I, I think that in keeping with their previous endeavors into this kind of hardware field... It'll be that. It'll be Half-Life Alex, and that'll be it. And it'll either mm. succeed, and they will reap the benefits of that, or it'll fail, and you'll never... Because, like, again, the Steam boxes. Big presentation about how that was going to change the future of gaming. A couple yeah. of them launch, and then nothing. Not from, <laughs> not from the, the... I saw people whose job it was to review new tech talking about them online. No one else. And... Valve never mentioned him again. Same with the Steam controller. Like, just... Like, they just threw it out there, and then, it works, maybe it doesn't. We'll check back in a couple of years. Like, like it's like posting on Reddit. Yeah. Just post something up there, and I'll check in a couple of weeks to see if anyone rep- replied to it. 
Oh, that's that's an upsetting analogy. <laughs> it's just there was no care in feeding to it. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're almost seeing that with Astadia now, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> which to make a minor correction to a previous episode, they upped the the starting lineup to twenty two games from twelve. That happened like before we launched the episode, but after we recorded. But, but anyway, now how many? Do you know offhand of how many of those twenty two games actually run? Uh, native 4K 60 frames per second. Well, as far as I know, none of them run 4K yet because the the pro subscription's not up and running. Uh, and and 60 because I mean they they promised that they would be you know all games would be uh, native 4K 60 yeah, frames per second. Yeah, I think that's still coming soon, but I'm I'm not I'm not keeping up with it anymore. I <laughs> immediately yeah, lost interest. They had their launch; it didn't go well. Yeah, there was there was no hype. No hype around it, so I I lost complete interest too. It was in, it'll be interesting to study in two years when it's presumably <laughs> dead. Um, we, but we can we can do a side by side of showcase for Stadia and the Ouya. <laughs> uh, we should, we should just do that on a YouTube video or something. Anyway, so uh, along with all this Alex news, recently Campo Santo was bought by Valve, uh, the creators of Firewatch. They were working on a game called In the Valley of Gods. Um, so it was presumed that Valve was trying to pad. They, they were talking about how they wanted to do what Nintendo does. Make a lot of really good, like, I don't, I don't know what they were intending by it, but just like a lot of really good first party games. So they bought up Campo Santo and as a presuma, presumable effort to try and build up their first party lineup obviously not to the same extent that like Sony or Microsoft are trying to do but you know a little something goes a long way so t- today just today Polygon received word from the PR team at Campo Santo saying that almost their entire team has shifted to Half-Life Alex or Dota Underworld and the the only other game that they were working on was in the Valley of the Gods so this sort of tells us a, a couple things. Like, Valve only has what four total games in development. That sounds about and, right. And they bought a, a an indie darling team just so that they can have more support staff on games that they're already working on. Gosh, now that sounds familiar. I could have sworn there was another company that had gotten far too large for its own good, and then just started devouring developers. And then turning them into support staff for games no one cared about anymore. Oh, are we gonna start talking about Ravensoft again? <laughs> God, you know, I just I remember a game called Battlefield Hardline, but like, oh no, I only remember it as like whispers in the wind. <laughs> like, did it ever come out? Did anyone ever play it? Was it just a rumor? I I play that game. Actually, had a really interesting story. Not to derail, it had like it had like. <laughs> I got bored of it like three hours in, but it was one of the more unique experiences. Oh, it was please, like please. sort of like playing first first person Grand Theft Auto. Now, now give me your hot takes on Fuse. Oh, that's I, that's a game I own and I never <laughs> opened. Oh, of course you own it. I mean, who who wouldn't buy a game called Fuse knowing nothing about it and then? Never finding any reason to actually play it. That guy Who wouldn't with, do that. That guy with the helmet on the front looked pretty rad. 
Yeah, I don't even think that was on the cover of mine. On the Xbox one, I think it's just like orange. <laughs> it was it was minimal effort. But yeah, so it so this I don't know. This just sort of says a lot about Valve and how their culture isn't this like super cool agile culture that everyone thinks it is and it's actually just it it, it not much different from an Activision or an EA. Like you're gonna buy up a team, you not don't know what to do with them. You'd you see more value in them working on flagship games instead of their indie darlings because money. And then we're now we're just reliving the same story for the the twentieth time over the course of the last ten years. Yep, and uh, I'm sure it won't be long before they are just forgotten, like Ravensoft, just another uh, another company that came and went. People wonder what happened. Oh yeah, I guess I remember them, and I remember they got bought by Valve. Whatever happened to those guys? Yeah, oh yeah, they're they're just Valve Valve uh, Southwest or wherever they're located. Yeah. Now. That that's, yeah, no, it, that's a real shame because Firewatch was an amazing game, and yeah, I wanted it, more. It sold from them. really good too. It, it sold two and a half million copies. Like it wasn't like this game couldn't make money for them. There's a reason Valve was interested in buying them, and I think they just immediately lost all concept of that. Yeah, it sounds like, once again, they just kind of lost focus. D didn't put something, you know, made a decision and then kind of forgot why they made it. And, yeah. and reestablished and just, okay, well, I don't know why we did that, but let's just move forward based on what feels good right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, like, even in their press statement, they said that, like, their team, since they've worked on first-person adventure games, might have something to add to Alex. But at the same time, yeah, I, if I guess you, I, I don't. If you told but, me that, hey, did you know that the team behind Firewatch was now working on a first-person FPS in VR? Like, that would make me sad. Like, oh, that's a shame. I kind of was hoping yeah. for another first-person adventure game from them. But okay, yeah, we we almost had it. It's so, it's interesting because it, it reminds me of like Hello Games, not not the purchase, but like the complete shift in what they were making. So they went from uh, was it Joe Danger mm -hmm. to uh, oh god, No Man's Sky. <laughs> so Joe Danger is just a what is it? What do they call that genre? Like toggle bike, like balance bike? Yeah, like um, I can't even think of it. Yeah, yep. so they went from that to making this, like, mega procedurally generated, you know, fantasy or galactic sci-fi game where you can explore an infinite number of well, planets, once et cetera, you et once you've created the engine for Do Joe Danger, a lot of that tech is just easily portable into a massive online first-person space exactly. game. I'm sure it's 99% the same code, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you just turn up the, the fractal randomization and uh, swap <laughs> all bikes for spaceships, and you're done. Yeah. So it's it's and that game's come a long way too. Obviously, at a rocky launch, but so my point being that it's it's not a completely out of the realm of possibilities that they'll have a lot to add to that game. But also, I think from a fan, it's just not what I was hoping for. Again, because maybe just because Half Life Alex holds no appeal to me whatsoever. Nah. Because I, I really wanted to play this in the Valley of the Gods game. I just played Firewatch again for the second time. I don't play many games second times. I played that twice recently. 
and now I'm very sad. Yeah, that's that's a disappointment, all right. Yeah, so do do right by him, Valve, please. I, it, it, you also get the vibes from the the press release that like because of the flat structure of the organization, uh, a lot of members just sort of naturally ended up working on Alex because maybe there just wasn't stuff to do or whatever, and now it's just well, and now they're gone. And now they're gone. If you had a if you had a company that isn't producing a lot of first party stuff that may be the sexiest thing to get you know to work on that may be the, yeah, the only right. attractive project on there <laughs> exactly because i'm sure that like everyone's days weren't completely filled in with in the valley of the gods and i'd forgotten to check even how big campo santo is but i mean if it's enough to release a press release saying that almost everyone we employ is working on a different game now it must be you know pretty tangible yeah all right well Moving on from all this Valve talk, uh, we got a fireside chat. Hey, Andy. Hey. How you doing? Yes, it's all right. Yeah, well, it's, it's good. Well, I'll, get, I'll get you there. Okay. What are you, what's your feeling on snow? On snow? You know, it's funny. You oh, wait, sh- there's, there's two topics here, yeah, but okay. come on. Yeah, we, we, uh, we can do both. We can do one. I, I'm seeing one of the two that I, that I was given, and I'm snow though snow (laughs) the it's interesting you should ask because we just got like four to six inches of it yeah gross yeah i think snow is fucking horrible (laughs) i think it's terrible and i think it's one of those things where if it didn't exist you could never sell someone on it because it's dumb and winter is stupid (laughs) And people who tell you that they like winter, that it's their favorite season, are fucking liars. <laughs> They're fucking liars. It's like someone who tells you that like their favorite show is <laughs> The Adventures of the Gummy Bears from Disney Channel in the 80s. Like, no, it's not. Your favorite... <laughs> you're just remembering being six years old and watching it and eating fucking cereal in the morning on Saturday and watching <laughs> cartoons. Like, yeah. The Gummy That's Bears isn't your favorite show. Winter isn't great. Playing in the snow as a kid is great. But I don't get Christmas break anymore. <laughs> so I just get up at six and clean off my car and go to work. And I wake up and it's dark and there's snow everywhere. It's like you wake up and it's like, hey, good morning, manual labor. Get to it. <laughs> your boss isn't going to let you be late either, so you have to wake up early. Right. Exactly. The... <laughs> there was a, uh, a, a screenshot of a tweet or Tumblr post. I can never tell what things are screenshots of anymore. But there's a <laughs> screenshot of, of words that I saw on Reddit, which basically a guy talking to his kid and, and the guy saying like, hey, kids, make sure you stay in bed. Go back to sleep because you got a 90 minute delay because the roads are too da- dangerous for the buses to drive on. And the kid says, well, are you still going to work? And he says, oh, yeah, work doesn't care if I die. <laughs> <laughs> real you know it's i know some people don't like the heat and i and i respect that the heat can be very uncomfortable but it's very rare that it's so hot outside that my car drives off the road and i die <laughs> it's very rare that it's so hot outside I, that how my, hot would it have to be it would have you're to talking be, about rare where does that happen <laughs> those places where, where does can, the tarmac melt <laughs> right where it's so hot that my wheels melt it's very rarely so <laughs> hot outside that my pipes burst <laughs> Bit of an understatement, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, (laughs) the cold is so much worse than heat. 
so much yeah. worse. And snow is just... If I lived in this world of luxury where I didn't have to go to work, I didn't have any responsibilities, and my and I had made a pact with Satan that every time I opened my pantry, it was full of all of my favorite foods, so I never had to go grocery shopping or anything, then yes, waking up in the morning and looking outside and seeing all this beautiful snow everywhere would be very nice. But then the second <laughs> you have to do anything, and it's, oh, wait, everyone on the road is driving like an asshole. Oh, none of the parking lots are properly plowed out. Oh, any, <laughs> any left turn I try to take I can't make because they just pile all of the snow on the on the curb here so I can't see left. So I'm just yeah. sticking my nose out halfway. Like, every part of it is awful. It's not <laughs> All worth- the moms have ransacked the grocery stores because they thought the apocalypse was coming, and now there's no water or milk. I, I do my grocery shopping on Sunday mornings just because that's when I do my grocery shopping. That's And I-, I get in there on Sunday, and everyone's freaking out, buying bread and milk and bottled water. And I'm in there like just like kind of the deli counter trying to buy some sliced cheese, and people are just freaking out. Everyone's stressed out, and the the, the gro- grocery clerks are all stressed out, and uh, like none of <laughs> no this. No one ever gets used to it either. No, and none of this is worth pretty snow mornings. I, I just I don't yeah. think you could sell people on it if it didn't exist. So yeah, if it just never happened, and somebody was like, "Hey, how about white bullshit coming out of the skies?" They'd probably be like, mm, you know, I, I like not that. <laughs> it might cause your roof to collapse, though. <laughs> but what What if it How was... How does frostbite sound? What if it was pretty, but also took the power lines out? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, how practical. That does sound nice. <laughs> what if it was pretty, but also made it so that getting to your car in the morning took 15 minutes? <laughs> but it's pretty, though. Did I tell you that it was pretty? And that... If, Weird. <laughs> on the weekend, if you go to a mountain, you can slide down it. That sounds fun. But do you do you have to get up the mountain? Or oh does a helicopter oh no, you got to get up the mountain. You, you got to go up the mountain. You got to oh. drive through a lot of it to get there. It's oh. snow's bullshit. Anyone who tells you it's not is wrong. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I, I moved away from the snow very intentionally. <laughs> I spent time away from the snow, and when I came back, I was like, "Oh, this is this is horrible." <laughs> Still happening. God, we didn't veto this. <laughs> just God, it, it's it's you got to get people away from it just for one winter. So, oh, I'd miss snow so much <laughs> on Christmas. You don't, you don't, uh, don't even yeah, think about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm it. The weirdest adjustment is just going to be that it's not cold. Like it's Christmas time and we've decorated for Christmas, but it's like seventy-two degrees. It was eighty-two on Saturday. God, that sounds like, lovely. Y- your body just doesn't naturally, or at least as a former New Englander, your body just doesn't adjust to Christmas coming, other, like, no matter how many signals you get. <laughs> just like, yeah, but it's it's warm out. So, so Labor Day? I'll, I'll tell you, th- during the brief period of time that I lived in Ventura, California, there was a point where I realized I haven't thought about weather in, like, three weeks. <laughs> it's just not something I've thought about at all, because I didn't have to. This is amazing. Yeah, it's nice to just like pull up an app and just see like the next ten days. It's like like oh, sixty-five to seventy-five. So I'll check again <laughs> next month, I guess. Yeah, you'll get that one update. Yeah. Like oh, hey, the storm this year is coming. So <laughs> oh, you'll get a couple weeks of rain, which will suck. But then you get your other forty-four weeks of sun. And yeah, it's a scam. Just just gotta roll up the windows, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how my ancestors how settled here. I don't know how they came from Portugal to 
friggin' New England. <laughs> well, it does rain a lot in Portugal, but that's about where it ends. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, question for you. Sure. How do you feel about Will Ferrell? Will Ferrell? Uh, well, a lot a lot like weather. I haven't thought about <laughs> Will Ferrell in a long time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What's, what's he doing lately? His last couple movies didn't look very good. I, I really like Step Brothers. That's mm-hmm. funny. Um, Ron Burgundy's pretty funny as well. Um, I personally like the sequel for some reason more than the original. Oh, that's that's a hot take. Come, yeah, most people come at me with pitchforks about that. So they're just like, they just reused all the jokes. And I was like, yeah, but it's funnier. <laughs> Isn't that what it's about? He was good in Saturday Night Live. I really don't have many hot takes on Will Ferrell. <laughs> I, it, did some news come out about him? I, I don't. I don't know. Um, he was in that Holmes and Watson movie that came out last year. Oh, that looked like dog shit. Yeah, it? yeah, it did. Oh, man. I wanted that to be good, because it was him and fucking John C. Riley again. But then I remember they've done, like, three other movies that I forgot about, and everyone else has forgot about. Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's Elf season. I, I didn't grow up watching Elf. I think I saw Elf for the first time, like, three years ago. And I was like, huh, this is pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, I, like, I was I, surprised by Elf. That was another one that I I didn't watch when it came out. My wife introduced it to me many yeah. years later, and I was like, "Oh, this is." I went into this with a chip on my shoulder, and uh, it's been right. completely knocked off. Yeah, that, there's a serious fervor around that movie, and it's because there's it's a good movie and it's a holiday movie, which is very rare to come by. Hmm. Looking at you, Santa Claus three. <laughs> Santa Claus oh, one and two, perfectly fine. Third one yeah, though. I got it from. That's where you're pushing it. <laughs> quit, qual- uh, quit while you're ahead, Tim Allen. You fat bastard. You guys leave Martin Short alone. Don't bring him into this. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You guys know he can't yeah. say no. <laughs> I mean, he 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 nailed that elf role though. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He did. And yeah. Otherwise, I don't I don't think about him ever at all. <laughs> Never ever ever. There was that. Yeah, there was you? that time in like the two thousands though. How many best of SNL tapes did they put out for him? Like five. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They were selling them on like Comedy Central right before the uh, Girls Gone Wild videos. <laughs> I remember. Uh, those. Those are the. Uh, did you ever get the, the Snoop Dogg one? Girls Gone Wild doggy style. <laughs> get it or see the ad for it? Because yes, I saw the ad for it. <laughs> no, I haven't reviewed it. On my YouTube channel, check it out, Arcadia. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any hot takes on uh, on Will Ferrell either. He seems fine. Like, How about the uh, Tesla Cybertruck? You know, I don't know about that because it's the kind of thing where the design almost feels like it was just—it's intended to get a reaction. And, and, I, and I <laughs> sure, sure did. I kind of like the design, but as an abstract thing. Like, yeah. as a, like, wouldn't it be cool if a car looked like this? Yeah. But I, but I w- wouldn't buy it. That's, I, I think that's sort of what it comes down to for me. Like, I love the design, but as soon as I see one on the road, I'm gonna be like, weird. What, what are you doing? <laughs> this dude's from space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's steel. This is strange. <laughs> it's It's gonna stand out a lot. But I mean, like, I also think regular Teslas are homely as fuck, so... I, and I I love the technology, but I think they're just butt ugly cars. If they if this ushers in a new wave of like weird ass blocky you know sharp lined car design, I'm all for it. <laughs> I am all for I, it, but it won't. I 
I like it sort of more as a statement. It's like, y'all want trucks? You use them for no practical purposes? Here's a fucking truck. It's weird and edgy and fucking here you go. And I was like, yeah, all right. If I was gonna buy a truck, it'd be that. Yeah, but it's. I'm not gonna buy a truck. Uh, it's a good one. Was was that your was that your second topic to talk about? Yeah, that was the episode 19 one that we f- flew by last week. All right. Well, I'll give you my my second one here. And what do you feel about perineum sunning? Perineum. Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is. Okay. So the idea is, and. I'm going to say what it is, and then I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to give you all the caveats and other things oh, I'm wrapping it in. I, I think I know what it is. Yeah. It's it's like the the hands on legs and then the, the rolling. Yeah, rolling on your back and letting your, your taint get all sunny up. Yeah, taint, taint sunning. Now, <laughs> I'm wondering if this is one of the, these things. Because, like, I only saw... Everything, everything I saw people going nuts over, we're all re- referencing like one Instagram account. <laughs> one guy, yeah. So I don't know if this is just that Instagram account's like because that person's now clearly the most famous perineum sunner in the world. <laughs> yeah, now it's a thing. Yeah, and they're the ones <laughs> who you go to to learn about sunning your taint. So, like, that's right. great. And if if they just made this up, knowing that it would have this react this traction, good for them. Way to play the yeah, game. Yeah. It's like the, the Tide Pod thing. It's like, oh, now we're talking about Tide Pod eating, and now everyone's doing it. Nice nice job, guys. Yeah. Nice job. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, when, when I heard about it, I thought, hey, you know what? That is a part of my body that's probably never gotten any sun. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> What's wrong with that? You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it is interesting that there's a part of yeah. my body that hasn't gotten any sun as of yet. I mean... My my asshole never gets sun, and it's darker than the rest of my body. Can't explain that. <laughs> can't, can't explain that. And uh, can you? you know what? We'd we'd have to go into your diet first, and you have you've cut me off of access to your My Fitness Pal account, so I can't really <laughs> can't do the deep dive that I I would need to. It's because you kept sending me food when you realized I just eat Slim Jims all day. <laughs> can't can't take the pity anymore. I don't know. It, it, you want to sun your perineum, go nuts. I bet you it probably feels as good as getting sun on any other part of your body. It's such a it's such a good perfect term for it, too. Like sunning your perineum. Like you could talk about that at at uh, Starbucks and nobody would even bat an eye. Yeah. Except for the one guy that knows. <laughs> He's just like, oh god. Yeah, taint tanning didn't really go over as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the alliteration's there, but the rest of it's a bit, a bit odd. Now, this this may be a, a bit of an indelicate question. How do you maintain both a tan, a tanned taint and a bleached asshole? Hmm. Or is is the Venn diagram of people who bleach their assholes and people who tan, tan their taints, is there not really a lot of crossover there? I, I would guess that, but I still want to consider the idea. So can you still bleach your asshole after, or can you still tan it after you bleached it? Because I, I assumed it just like killed all of the fucking color in your skin. I, I assumed like that as well. I assume that as well, but clearly there is a whole world of skin pigmentation augmentation that I am unaware of here. <laughs> for better or for worse. Slowly creeping towards Deus Ex or cyberpunk life. Oh, if, if I could just get some kind of just, augment that would just keep my taint perfectly tanned, great. 
<laughs> be like a maxi pad, but like just giving off heat constantly. Yeah, that'd be great. Sign me up. That'd be one thing that Adam Jensen oh. wouldn't say that he never asked for. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> hey, showcase time. Yeah, what games do we have in our showcase? Uh, you got you got Luigi's Mansion Three. Uh, Why don't you introduce us to that? Luigi's Mansion Three is a charming little game. If you've never played the Luigi's Mansion games, you take control of Luigi. He's such a scaredy little boy. Um, <laughs> he keeps getting invited to these spooky places where he needs to show up, and he runs into all these spooky ghosts. <laughs> And they're so spooky, and they just... But he has to be brave with his little poltergust vacuum cleaner and and suck up all those ghosts, and eventually suck up King Boo, which is just a a regular Boo, but larger, with a crown on. Because Nintendo Mm. is efficient with their art assets. And... (laughs) (laughs) So diplomatic. Yeah, and he has has a little puppy that's a ghost puppy named Polterpup, which is about... As cute as Zero from Nightmare Before Christmas. He's just adorable. Really sweet little dog. (laughs) Uh, In Luigi's Mansion 3, um, it does take a bit of a turn because you're not in a mansion. It takes place in a hotel. And it's also not Luigi's. Someone else owns it. It's not like he's inheriting the house from his uncle like an episode of Scooby-Doo or anything. It's not not his hotel and it's also not a mansion. But that's fine. Uh, as per usual, King Boo is up to his old nonsense. He's captured uh, Peach and Mario and a handful of assorted toads and stuck them in paintings, you know, like you do. And you have to go around <laughs> from uh, the basement all the way up all these floors of the hotel, finding the different boss ghosts on each floor and sucking them into your poltergust vacuum cleaner and getting the elevator buttons. The, the ghosts have stolen all the buttons out of the elevator. And because this building does not adhere to any fire codes, there's no there's no stairs between the floors. Oh. So the only way to get up and down is through the elevator. There's no points of egress anywhere. It's extremely <laughs> dangerous. Uh, and if the, if they weren't trapped in a ghost dimension and there was working fire, you know, a working phone line to the fire marshal, someone would have called it. But you you get onto the first floor and there's a ghost there. And you Maybe suck. it's in Serbia. <laughs> it could be. It could just be really lax. This could be that libertarian paradise everyone's talking about where there are no you know, building codes or regulations. And this is what happens. This is what happens when you just rely on the social contract and nothing else to build buildings. They get full of ghosts with no elevator buttons, no points of egress, no fire marshal recommendations. It's, it's a nightmare. This probably is bestest. The elevator has no buttons on it. Each boss you suck in. What? <laughs> well, it has buttons. What the fuck did you say? <laughs> the elevator has no buttons. But you, you go in, and you find these ghosts, and you vacuum them up, and then they drop the buttons. You're like, oh, hey, I found the button for floor three. You pop it in, in the elevator, you screw it in, or it screws itself in because of magic, and then you push it, and hey, I'm off to floor three. And they have all, or all the floors are differently themed. Some of you know, there's the dining floor, there's the the fancy estates, there's the garden, there's the Egyptian tomb floor, there's the pirate ship floor, like you see in a standard Wait, hotel. I don't need to explain that to you. You know, <laughs> okay, you, all right. you've been to to libertarian paradise hotels before. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> I have not, but I'm regretting it now. Yeah, you know, you get up there and 15, 15 stories off the ground, there's an entire floor that's actually deep enough and wide enough to have a ship that sails in it. It happens. <laughs> this is just if you follow the triple a guide and you go to their recommended stays it's just the kind of stuff that you find <laughs> you have a bunch of different powers that you can use to help you on your your way of of sucking up these ghosts and also oh the other thing that's great about this game if you are the kind of person that liked viscera cleanup detail or a house flipper or any meticulous kind of ocd-ish game um the place is a mess there's just loose paper and dust and cobwebs and things everywhere, and you can just vacuum them all up. And vacuuming them up oh, nice. reveals all this money. That's like the building is insulated with with dollars and coins and gold bars, essentially. <laughs> and so anytime you find a slight hole in in the ship lap, you just kind of put your vacuum there, and then just thousands of dollars worth of gold bars pour out, and you can vacuum, and it's very satisfying. It's very satisfying to just meticulously clean every room. Uh, it can be frustrating when you're playing with your child next to you and they're trying to encourage you to just keep moving on and keep playing the game and you're obsessively cleaning every room. <laughs> Dad alert. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a little, you know, there's your kind of uh, standard adventure puzzle solving. Each room you get into, there's usually something you have to figure out some way to figure out to move something or access an area or flip a switch or flip the right switches in the right order to open up the door to the next room you eventually fight the bosses and uh, you move on to the next area right. it is a thoroughly engaging and entertaining game so what what genre would you describe it as for people who haven't played the other two um it's it's an adventure platformer uh, i'm trying to think of okay. something to, to compare it to it's you spend you don't spend as much time vacuuming ghosts as you would think going into it. You know, the ghost mm -hmm. combat is kind of maybe a third of the game. Two thirds of it is really exploring the rooms and figuring out how to get to the next area, how to get to the next room. And you, a lot of times okay. you can see the switch you need to access and it's just a matter of figuring out how do I get over there? Or there's a key that I need to find in here and it's just hidden somewhere. Uh, and I honestly can't think of I know that this is an entire genre of games, and I can't for the life of me think of one right now. But it's there are moments of combat, but the combat is also very compartmentalized. It's not like a Resident mm. Evil where there are just ghosts roaming around everywhere. Um, if when you do you think there's ghosts in Resident Evil? Yeah, you know, I never really, Real I never really got that game. <laughs> I remember I, I played the second one, I and I, I was on a bus, and then I got off the bus, and there was a guy, and it was too spooky, and I turned it off. <laughs> but out. I assume that there were ghosts as well. But this, this, you, you'll be searching around in a room, and then you'll trigger a ghost encounter, and like gates will will drop down over the doors, and it'll be like, okay, mm -hmm. this is the time where you fight this ghost, and it's the only thing you can do right now. And when you're done fighting this ghost, you can resume your exploration of the room. Hmm. So it's very compartmentalized oh. in that way. How does the quote-unquote vacuum combat work? So for basic ghosts. What you need to do is you have a kind of a flashlight that you can strobe, make a big flash, and it stuns the ghosts mm -hmm. for a second. And then you suck them up with the vacuum. So if you get close enough, uh, your left and right shoulder uh, either suck or blow with the vacuum. Right is suck, left is blow. And so you suck up yeah, the, yeah. the ghost, and he kind of gets hooked to the front of your vacuum cleaner as he's pulling away. And you have to pull your joystick in the opposite direction that he's going. 
Hmm. It's it's interesting. A bit like fishing. Yes. If you could imagine almost like a a 3D fishing game where they could be coming from any direction. You're kind of pulling back on them and then yeah. when you've get, got them down to a low enough health, you can kind of use your you know, use your leverage to flip them over your head back and forth a couple of times to weaken them and then eventually suck them up into the vacuum. And there are other yeah. you have other abilities like um shooting on a blast of air, blowing things, picking up uh st- picking up items with the vacuum cleaner like like a pumpkin or a globe or other round items and shooting them out that play into more complicated combat, but the basics of it are flash with the the strobe, suck them into the vacuum, end of combat. Interesting. Hmm. Um, it's satisfying. I, I see it was not nominated for any big awards at the Game Awards. Uh, you know, we went over that at last episode, episode 19. Check it out if you mm-hmm. didn't. Um, does this make you feel sad, glad, or mad? You know, I think it's a bit of a shame because I think it is a really solid game. And I think it achieves everything it sets out to do. But it's also... It, you could not play it and I don't think anyone will be referencing it in a couple of years. I don't think people are going to be talking fondly of this game. That's, that's fair. It, it's. I didn't even realize that Luigi's Mansion 2 came out, to be honest. It was, I believe that was a DS3, or DS3, 3DS, DS3. <laughs> 3DS exclusive. I think that was, it only came the out. Three screen DS, gotcha. <laughs> it was a rare Japan only console, but I, you know, I bought it. <laughs> it. Yeah, it was a 3DS game, and that was good too. I, I enjoyed it. I think that it works better on a large screen, just because it, you know, I, I kind of like seeing the the, the mm. designed rooms with all of the physics objects everywhere. Feel kind of cool mm. on the big screen like that. Yeah, that does sound a lot better. I don't. From what you've described, it doesn't sound like it would be a game that necessarily lends itself to to two screens. No, no, it. it I don't remember even what the second screen was for. It might have just been one of those uh, games where the second screen was like your inventory and general pause screen. Yeah, mini map. Yeah, yeah, no, nothing too exciting. Um, mm. So, Guigi is the real star. Of this yes. Game, right? Otherwise, what's the point? Guigi is great. Uh, my son loves Guigi along with the the ghost puppy. The, his two favorite parts of the game. Uh, <laughs> Guigi is great. The and it allows for... I love games with drop-in co-op. I think that mm. I think that's such a great idea, and Nintendo does that so often with their first-party games. I think it's a very smart move on their part. And so the ability to just summon a second Luigi that can also, like, walk through gates is just such a neat idea. You walk through gates like the T-1000. Yeah. <laughs> That is when I first saw the uh, the video of him going through the gates. I was like, "Oh, this is the Terminator game everyone's been asking for." <laughs> and and it adds for some finally it adds for some interesting puzzle solving because the game is interesting in that it it varies up. It's not like a lot of other games where they introduce a new puzzle solving a puzzle solving mechanic and then they just keep expanding on that for the entirety of that set of levels, and then they move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. You know the, it. You, it jumps back and forth between mechanics all the time. So I'll get into an area and I'll be in a room and I'll be trying to fix it. Oh shit, right, I could have been using Guigi. He could do this. This is fine. Like <laughs> Because it's been five rooms since you've had to use him. So you, it really yeah. keeps you 
having to go back through your bag of tricks and think, okay, what haven't I tried yet in here? Rather than, mm. you know, other games where it's like, okay, well, this is this is the you know, throwing things area. So I know all the puzzles in this area are going to be based off of this new concept of throwing things. Uh, that being said, there is one mechanic, and a lot of games do this, where they introduce a new mechanic, and it's basically to solve, like, two puzzles in one area. Like, oh, here's your new ability, and you can only use it on this type of item, and it only exists in this level. Hmm. So, oh, oh, okay. I guess it's not really a new ability then, is it? <laughs> so that was a bit disappointing but uh, otherwise you know uh, Guiji is definitely adorable and a really fun idea and I, I would love for more Luigi Guiji tag teaming maybe instead of you know, that, that new that Mario and Luigi series that's kind of died that was for the, the portable games yeah do like a Luigi and Guiji version that studio closed it yeah yeah it's a shame I liked those games yeah, it's a shame can Luigi turn into a T-Rex? Otherwise, again, what's the point? No, but and you know what? There will be mi- there will be <laughs> mild spoilers here going forward. Although I mean, I've spoiled a couple of things, but you know, it's not spoilers for Bloodstained, so who cares? Um, <laughs> there, there is a point where you get to fight a T-Rex, which is pretty rad. Oh, <laughs> they really are just putting T-Rexes in everything. Yeah, it's it. it pretty great. My son was very excited to see dinosaurs. This game has just given him everything he wants so far. <laughs> if it had trains in it somehow, he would be ecstatic. The, the boss fights have actually been <laughs> really cool. They're hard. There are times where I legitimately just did not... Uh, you know, you're watching that. I don't understand what they want me to do here. And then when you finally get it, like, oh, right, okay, I, I see. It, it was just me being thick. It wasn't obtuse, I was just... I, it was one of those things where you try something, it doesn't work, and you don't try it a second time. You just move on. Yeah. Yeah. That happened a lot in Link's Awakening, actually. Yes. I think I talked about that last week. Yeah. It's like, I'm like oh, I, I forgot I could do that. And I left the area entirely, because <laughs> I'm an idiot. So it's, uh, yeah, that the boss fights are really well done. They're all, they all feel different, and they all have their own pattern, their own strategies, you know, it's not like some of the, the Mario games where it's just kind of like, well, get to the point where you can jump on him or get to the point where you can pull the thing. Hmm. Yeah, sounds like really good design. Hmm. It is. Uh, on a scale of 9 to 10, is this the best vacuuming simulator? Oh, that's that's a good question. You know, there's a there's a level that is that the, when you're on the desert floor like you have in hotels... There's just one of the floors just covered in sand, and it was so satisfying to just vacuum it all up. I spent 15 mm. minutes on that floor just vacuuming up all the sand, and you don't get anything for it. A spoiler: don't bother go doing all of it thinking you're gonna get. You don't get anything for vacuuming <laughs> up all the sand, other than that. Oh, that's that's a joke. Other than that, really good feeling. Which maybe that's the lesson: is that the reward is the cleaning itself. No, fuck that. <laughs> If there wasn't, like, a moon, like, if I did that in Mario Odyssey, I would fucking throw the entire Switch. Oh, I mean, there's, there's, there's little things hidden in the sand that you get along the way, but there's nothing for doing all of it. Oh. Maybe you just missed a couple granules, Andy. Don't make me do it again. Don't make me do Better it again. find out. All right. Uh, yeah, any, any closing thoughts? Uh, the only real closing thought is it just... It, in playing this game... It reminds me of how much motion controls are garbage. 
and Nintendo should give up on them entirely. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> they're not fun, and they're worse than regular controls. Every time. They're always worse. <laughs> People are just going to assume that we hate to move any more than we need to. I, I, I love motion controls for games where motion controls make sense. Wii Sports was a lot of fun. I loved Wii Sports, and I played a lot of it. And other similar games where the motion control is the purpose of the game. Trying to aim up and down by tilting the Joy-Con while rotating in place and attacking these little bats that come at you. Because like, like a lot of, and I'm sure there are, other, there are other Nintendo games like this, I can't think of any, where the most annoying enemies are the ones that are either in the sky or at, foot, or at a ground level, like on the floor. Yeah. That you just can't properly aim at. Yeah. I lose most of my health to rats and, and bats in this fucking game. Because they're just... <laughs> the, the controls for going up and down... They're just, they just had to be weird with it. And had to do these motion controls. And, and those motion controls don't really exist when you're playing in handheld mode. But if you put it in docked mode, like Pokemon Let's Go... It's like, well, you're in dock mode, therefore you want to use motion motion controls. No, you can't switch back to the handheld controls, but in docked mode. Sorry, <laughs> fuck you. Why would you ever want to do that? So, I don't know. Motion controls are garbage. Nintendo should stop putting them in their games. They're not fun in games like this. Like Mario <laughs> Galaxy with having to flick the thing to make Mario do the spins. That's dumb. Yeah. It's Dumb, yeah, dumb, hurts, dumb. It's our old man wrists. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what I always say about Skyward Sword. I love that game, but I literally couldn't play it because, like, every after an hour and a half of those goddamn controls, like, my entire fucking forearm would hurt. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess I'm done. Forever. Yeah, I, I replayed Skyward Sword and Galaxy and Galaxy 2 all on an emulator and had so much more fun. No, that's not because it was just like, oh, I can just press this button on my Xbox controller to do the spinning. And I can just use my mouse to point at the screen and pick up all the little things. The dream. Rather than having to, oh, is it? no, it's not getting, well, I gotta tilt, alright, hold shake it and then hold it vertical to try and recount and then tilt it again. Like, that's not games. That's not playing a game. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's skipping rock. Yeah, it, it's... This is not the part of the, the part of it that's fun. The part of it that's <laughs> fun is fighting ghosts and finding a, a hotel full of money. It's not trying to <laughs> aim. Th oh, get a little, uh, and then, oh, you missed again. Oh, <laughs> you so stupid. So stupid with your fat American hands. Nubby little fingers. So dumb. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a really good game, though. Right. Really good game. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> For once. For once, I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> For once. Yeah, don't hold anything back. Yeah, I, I got nothing else to say about this game. It's, it's, it's good. It's a good game. All right, good shit. Sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, go check it out. All right. Brent, Brent has a Need for Speed Heat this week. Brent's going to talk in third person now for the rest of the episode. Fantastic. I'm going to hold you to that. Mm, Brent likey. <laughs> God, please stop immediately. <laughs> All right, so Need for Speed Heat is sort of the... Evolution of the last couple of Need for Speeds, starting with the Need for Speed reboot, and then Need for Speed Payback, neither of which were well-reviewed. I personally liked them. I've liked almost every Need for Speed game. Um, 
And so this one, this one feels a lot like more of the same. Um, it, it plays to the strengths of payback, where you had sort of individual items that you could upgrade depending on your rep level. Um, except in this game, there's no, since that game literally, not even joking, took place in Vegas and the whole thing was built around microtransactions and lottery based fucking <laughs> gameplay. So, so fucking that sketchy. got old really fast. Yeah, I stopped playing when I realized that if I paid $5, I could be like 30 levels higher and just walking through the game. And then I was like, hmm, not for me. That was, that was actually the only Need for Speed game I never bought because I, I played the demo with EA Access and I was like, well, I'm glad I played this first. But Need for Speed Heat does sort of what that game did with its storytelling. Um, it, it goes for animated styling, tries to tell this, you know, street world story, like a la... Actually, I shouldn't even say a la Fast and Furious, because I think Fast and Furious got popular because Need for Speed was popular. Or maybe it was vice versa. I don't remember the lineage exactly. <laughs> but but basically it's it's very much old school fast and furious like oh dude just rolled into town like got to make a name for himself like meets randomly meets up with all these like super important people in the street racing scene and the cops are like mm, street racers suck but the cops are also dicks so <laughs> so it's fine that's the entire story yeah so it's fine that's the entire story what what the uh the need for speed heat hook is and i've heard people compare this to uh Day. Oh, fuck, I forgot that. There's a zombie game that uses this, but it's uh, it's like a night and day mode. So basically, every time you leave your garage, you choose whether it's night or day. Um, and if you're playing during the day, you're playing like sanctioned racing, and you're making like good money. If you play at night, you're doing it very illegally, and you're only earning rep. Um, much, much of the game's like downside i didn't really understand why i couldn't race for higher stakes at night and it was just rep that got old just like because so like build, night racing is rep. when the real racing happens and they don't do it for money they do it for the love of the speed yeah sure whatever and <laughs> so they <laughs> what would happen was basically you'd you'd get enough rep to level up after one race and then you really didn't have enough money so you'd go back to the garage switch today you'd get enough money for the upgrade, buy the upgrade, switch tonight because you couldn't buy any more upgrades because you weren't high enough level. That's the first 20 levels of the game. Ooh. Obviously, the pace gets a little weird. You're stuck in a really, really shitty car for a really, really long time. I actually, because I had bought the game, um, it came because I got it through, since I have EA access, I got like the deluxe edition for the same price as the regular edition. So it came with like, really good free cars so then suddenly once after my demo had ended and i bought the game i suddenly had like fucking easy mode going even though i was playing on hard because they handed me some really really good cars and so then like suddenly the experience was very different because i was playing it racing in a fun car even though it was like sort of upsetting that i had basically paid for it in some sense Obviously, you have to pay for every game at some point if you want to keep playing it. But I didn't. I only got these things because I got an upgraded version of right. it. Right. But the game gets more fun after a lot of grinding um, because you're. I was literally driving like a Nissan. Was it like a three fifty 
X, like one of the really old ones, like the 90s ones. And you're you're doing that for like the first five hours of the game. And all you're thinking is, man, I would give anything to just be in like a fucking Honda Civic right now. <laughs> um, but the, the story doesn't really do much for the gameplay. It's mostly a nuisance. The gameplay is still fun. It's still that classic Need for Speed sort of hyper arcadey, like drifting around corners, making sure every car you have can like do a little bit of drifting because that's the best way to hit corners in this world. I felt like the... So that you can also do in this game like a lot of off-roading and stuff like that. I I felt, again, just like it didn't pay back that it was the weakest part of the game. Mostly because you had to get a different, completely different tuned car, get in that, and then do the two races that were available for that, and then you had to switch back to a road car. And so it just was like, I, if I can't, you know, use the same car for everything, then it's it's closer to a Forza game. And if it's a Forza game, that game lets me swap cars at the beginning of a race, which this game doesn't. Oh. You have to go back to the garage to switch cars. Ew. Yeah, it's truly a pain in the ass. So the fact that it tried to do all of these different gameplay types, but also gave you no quality of life improvements over either of the previous games, it sucked. It sucked. It was stupid. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a just a fun arcade racing game, and that's one of my favorite genres. Um, it's not even close to simulation, so if that's... The type of game you want, this isn't it. If you don't want to play a simulation, which I know a lot of people don't, this might be the game for you. Now, the story, how much does that mm-hmm. really, like, how often are you having to interact with the story to go forward? Um, you, Not really at all, honestly. As long as you keep leveling up, you'll keep unlocking races. I mean, it's it sort of has the Forza thing, which begs questions like I'm just racing to unlock more races so you really have to like racing to want to do it that way so in some senses the story can be a break from that while in other senses it's like it's definitely the best way to make both rep and money like I said you can't make both at the same time that's the only way to do it is for the story but there's the story is not so common and that's the only way you can level up like you have to wait until you level up like seven times, I think, to do the first proper story mission, which is like sounds kind of silly. Now, are the story missions just races wrapped in a bit of story or are they actually like distinct from the other event types? Uh, they're they're worse than that. It's it's like an escort mission into a race into another escort mission was one of my favorite ones. Oh, ew. How do you do an yeah. how do you do an escort mission in Well not like not like combat escort it's somehow even worse than that it's just like hey drive with me to the checkpoint and i'm going to talk at you but i'm also going to drive 30 miles an hour less than your maximum speed so you're going to have to con- constantly break to match my speed oh god that's that is a cardinal sin right there like escort missions yeah it wasn't, well, no, it those kind of missions aren't fun and anyone listening who makes games should never put them in games because they're not fun and they're not a clever way to work expository dialogue into your game because it's so transparent and no one likes them. <laughs> and yeah, you just nailed it 100%. That's exactly what it is. Ex- expository nonsense. Trying to delve into a character and like get you to like them. 
but you don't really care about the characters that much because it's a fucking racing game. <laughs> you just want, like, uh, the, some of the best games were, like, silent heroes, like, some, some dickhead kept mouthing off to you, and then you raced him, and he's like, man, you're better than me, I'm so sorry, or, hey, get you next time. Like, those are the only two characters you need in a fucking racing right. game. Like, that, that's all you need. Like, st stop getting in the way of my racing. I think my favorite story was, though, from the Need for Speed reboot. Most people really hate that game. That was actually, out of the three modern ones, that was my favorite by now, far. Was that, was that the like one the story... that was uh, based on the film with Jesse Pinkman and Michael Keaton? Uh, <laughs> no, but, I mean, it was that was the live-action one, so they had a lot of live-action videos. Okay, but it did nothing, it had nothing uh, to do with the film? No, no. Although, I, I feel like that film is severely underrated. It had a really interesting tone. It just had a sort of mediocre story. Like, it was actually a really well-shot movie. <laughs> but the, the story That's, was stupid. You can save that hot take for, for a much longer moment. I, I could do a whole review on that movie. Gladly will. But, yeah. Next question. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were waiting for the question. I heard a lot of hype about the setting. Did that, was it deserved? Did it pay off? I heard a lot of people were really excited. They were they were imagining like, oh, it's Need for Speed, but Vice City. Yeah, it's it's very nice. Um, the thing is, like, the, the tone and, like, just uh, the design itself felt a lot like the last two games. It just had, like, more trees. Um, I think it looked fairly similar to the the Need for Speed reboot, Need for Speed, um, because that was that was basically just, like, a city and then, like, pretty outlying city and then mountainous area. Like, this game is just city and then a little bit of, like, deserty area and a little bit of plains, a little bit of swamp, um, but mostly, like, pretty, pretty trees in the rain and some ocean views, which, again, the first game had. Um, honestly, I think that it didn't stand out enough to warrant that hype and that, like, sort of push, like, uh, like, advertising push that was like, oh, the design of this game is completely different. It felt like the last two games, um, just more, more Miami-ness, which wasn't enough to make it feel like a completely new and game. And not enough Miami-ness to really feel like you were in that kind of, um... Like, how... Because the way a lot, a lot of it was advertised, it seemed like it would have that very... Like, a very... I don't know... Miami-ish, outrun-ish vibe to it. With, with a lot of... Yeah, it definitely didn't have an outrun vibe. I mean, I'm sure it's some parts are pretty true to actual Miami. But I, the things that people really like and really make Miami unique are... Basically, you know, a few stretches of road in certain areas of town, and you're usually whizzing through those areas at 150 miles an hour in the game, so you don't really get a chance to appreciate them. I'm not saying it's a bad-looking game. I'm just saying, like, the engine... They didn't do any upgrades to the engine, so it looks, like, so... Even to Need for Speed Rivals, it looks shockingly similar oh, to wow. that. Okay. Is there a lot to do in the open world when you're not just going from one event to another? Oh, Andy, no. I still want... I missed the days of just selecting a race in the Need for Speed uh, games. That was going to be my next one. question, is just 
is there a reason that it needs to be open world? Does it does that add anything to it? <laughs> I mean, you can collect sprays for you know decals to put on your car, which don't necessarily need to be in the open world. You know, they look nice. Um, you can do the same stuff otherwise that you can do in Forza. There's there's speed zones. There's jumps. There's big jumps. There's little jumps. There's uh, drifting. You know, nothing nothing that made it stand out at all and honestly it all it felt like in the open world was a two-bit forza horizon which if you're not if you're not gonna at least come toe-to-toe with forza horizon on all their open world design then what's the point okay that's kind of what i uh thought was going to be the answer and i'm sorry to hear that uh that that is the answer yeah I, I mean, I still I still enjoy the game. I'm still going to continue playing it. Um, I haven't beaten it. I'm pretty far into it, though. But I've definitely seen all, this, all the tricks that they have in it. Especially because almost all of this came from Need for Speed Payback. Um, at least, like, event-wise. So this is not the game that is going to cement Ghost Games as the new Criterion. No, no. I mean, I know a lot of people that worked at Criterion moved over to Ghost Games. So, like, there's there's definitely good car game design in this game, and it's definitely a better game than Payback, but I don't think that they're coming leaps and bounds in the two years that they're given for these games. Um, just because, like, I, I, two years isn't a long time to make a video game in the first place, but also you've been using the same engine for eight years, like... It, all you're doing is making some new fucking polygons and shit and dressing dressing up the last two games in different ways. That is disappointing. Yeah. But if if this was the first Need for Speed game you played in a while, you, you'll probably still like it a bit. I've been playing every one to, to my detriment at this point. Have you played the online at all? Yeah, yeah. I was going to note... Um, so unlike the previous two, you don't have to play online. There's an option to play offline. Um, and I'm so grateful for it because obviously you can't pause online. <laughs> so you'd always be getting like rammed and shit and that was annoying. And if you, if you were in the middle of the race and somebody's talking to you or, you know, something like that and you can't pause, it's just, it's really annoying. Like there, there was no boon to playing online other than the just the glee that other people were in your same world but the few times i tried to actually find a group and do a race it had the shittiest behavior ever it will sit and spin for a minute and be like asking requesting more drivers and then if it doesn't find any drivers it's like okay no drivers no race and then it just cancels the race and you're like what i still wanted to race nah and so you have to, you have to go back to the beginning like if you're doing that Forza, you're like doing burnouts and like just burning a minute and waiting, hoping other people join. No, I, I did all that. And then I was like, oh my God, now I have to drive all the way back there to restart this. Are you fucking joking me? <laughs> so after that, I stopped playing online permanently because it lost all luster. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of covers all my questions. All right. Um, did you have any final thoughts? I would say that. The game is still simple enough that it can definitely be enjoyed. I probably do more tuning in Need for Speed games than I do in Forza. 
and it's because Forza, pro probably because Forza has a great downloadable tuning setup. Um, but in this game, it's pretty simple to understand. It doesn't, it's not like, oh, you know, let's crank up the suspension by like a, a quarter millimeter. It's like, hey, you want to go faster in long stretchers? You want to be able to handle good turns? <laughs> like, oh, I want more good turns. I want to, I want to do the good turns. So it, it can definitely, like, if, if you're scared of Forza games, this is a fun game. It's simple. The racing's fun. It's not realistic whatsoever. That's the reason I keep coming back to these damn games, and I still like this game a lot, and I'm probably being harder on it than I would if I didn't like all of these games, but the simplicity and the, the fun, just stupid, stupid fun of racing and the stupid, stupid story that will still manage to put a smile on your face will absolutely keep bringing you back. All right. All right. Shall we rank these bad boys? So I'm thinking, and, and I'm going to be kind of in the middle of a bunch of your games here. So I'm going to mm -hmm. need your insight here. But I'm thinking that this is somewhere like 12 or 13 for Luigi's Mansion around Gears 5 and Indivisible. Because I, I do feel that it, it, while it may not be the most revolutionary game, it mm -hmm. succeeds at everything it sets out to do. Which is more than I can say for a lot of the games in this list. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting area for it. Because Gears 5 is not revolutionary, but it's just super tight. While Indivisible is one of the most unique games I've ever mm. played. Um, I, you're pretty safe to put it above Gears 5 if you... If it's just like a, a genuinely fun game that you'll be thinking about for a long uh, time. Like, I, I think Gears has lost a bit of its luster for me after a little I bit. really can't think of a reason why, I, like a person I wouldn't recommend this game to is yeah, where yeah. it is. Like, I just, I feel like if you like games that are fun, you would enjoy this game. It's just got a lot of heart and, a, and it's a very sweet, just challenging enough game. Yeah. Oh, that sounds sounds like a great. So place I'm I'm it. tossing it in right at twelfth uh, place. Yeah, and that's in between. So with Yoshi's Craft World at ten, Shadowbringers at eleven, and then Luigi's Mansion at twelve, and then before Gears Five and Invisible. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put Need for Speed Heat right above John Wick Hex at number twenty one. <laughs> Keeping Ring Fit Adventures in that top twenty. Yeah, I, you seem to have a pretty favorable thing with Ring Fit Adventure. I think I will probably be like semi-begrudgingly going back to Need for Speed Heat for the foreseeable future. Um, but I mean, I, I'll still have fun with it. But there's just like something, something that's just not clicking with me personally as a longtime fan of the, the franchise. Well, that's fair. Yeah, so that, that means that Remnant and Ring Fit are just above Need for Speed Heat and right before and Need for Speed Heat is right before John Wick Hex and Anthem. Oh Anthem. So Anthem, An Anthem still Anthem in it. continues to survive because we keep finding games worse than it. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's six there's six games worse than it. Oh wait, no, there's oh there's just no numbers yeah. down here. There's eight games worse than this. Oh, Andrew. <laughs> What have we done? <laughs> what have we done to ourselves? All right. Uh, old business. Uh, I know I had something something to mention. Oh, we're going to start working on our end of the year wrap up. Um, so we're only doing uh, 
six six or eight more games. I don't know if the math on that something is something like that. Yeah. So and then we're gonna actually do our our tournament brackets. Uh, we'll give more information on how that's gonna work pretty soon. Once um, we figure it out, we have some. Yeah, once we figured it all out, we had it figured out at the beginning of the year, but then we the show has evolved quite considerably since then. Um, the the exceptions that we've entirely ruled out playing this year are going to be Mortal Kombat, Telling Lies, Metro Exodus, and Code Vein. So if you think those are notable exemptions to the rules, it's just because we didn't get to play them. We started this podcast in, what, like March? And then we had a hiatus when I was moving? Yeah, it was tough. And also, I don't want to play a lot of those games. So it's like... Yeah, neither of us will enjoy God, Mortal Kombat at all. There's just few games that I can see myself enjoying less than Mortal Kombat, and I'm playing one of them for next week, so it's... <laughs> all right. No, no, it's going to be great. Please look forward it's gonna to it. It's going to be great. Uh, but yeah, we're going to yeah, miss out yeah. on, on some good games and maybe we'll cover them in, you know, a little, Hey, here's a quick stuff we missed last year or something mid year if we catch up or something, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just for kicks episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, other than that, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you're liking us on all the socials. Um, we're, we're noticing if you're commenting, liking, hearting, following, yeah. Anything I've like got that. I've got a note in here for every episode to reach into the mailbag and read some listener feedback and every episode we have none. So like if you've been wondering <laughs> where's the listener feedback section, it's here. I, I'm prepped and ready for it every week. It just it doesn't exist. So <laughs> you know, that's on you guys. It's not me, you know, my hands I'm, oh, wow. I'm I'm doing the my hands are clean gesture right now. You can't see it. It's not good radio, <laughs> but I'm doing that. Yeah, thank you. I, I've got fingerless gloves on because I'm cool. So I, I can't <laughs> <laughs> it's like 63 degrees in my basement it's so goddamn cold <laughs> all right well i've been arcade and solid talker all right thank you right. good night that's a good that's a good episode